I want us to think uh, this scene where Isaiah sees the, uh, the temple filled with the robe of the Lord and these seraphim hiding their eyes and their feet with their wings. And as a voice speaks, the earth shakes. This fearful moment that Isaiah falls on his face and says, I am an, depart from me, I am lost, I am a person of unclean lips. Same scene that we see in Peter. Uh, this uh, great Saint Augustine in the fifth century said this that when we find ourselves confronted by God, it requires an equal measure of grateful rejoicing and of agonizing repentance. It's the scene we get from both of these servants. Isaiah sees the Lord falls on his face in agonizing repentance. He knows that the Lord is in his midst and he wants to depart. And God sends a seraph with a coal from the fire that burns the sacrifices to cleanse and heal Isaiah. And Isaiah is restored. Your sins are taken away and atoned for. And Isaiah, we should know, is in a moment of grateful rejoicing. Peter's moment, too, walks through the same journey. We should see them as the same. Luke is drawing on these Old Testament images. Once Peter recognizes that the fish in the boats are the result of the Lord Almighty, the same one who was in the temple with Isaiah, he knows he is unworthy of being in his presence. And he falls at Jesus' knees and says, depart. That sense of complete inadequacy in being the Lord's presence and Jesus says, do not fear, for I will make you fishers of men. That restoration of Peter's identity that happens. Both scenes, if you know this um, kind of imagery, both scenes are actually probably drawing on the one with Moses at the burning bush. He turns aside to see a sight, and the voice speaks from the fire and brings fear to Moses. Take off your sandals for your unholy ground. All three scenes have this in common. All three men are unworthy of the presence of the Lord. And all three are restored and find their calling to go out. Moses is called to go and be a savior to the Israelites who are in Egypt. Isaiah comes to bring a word of hope to those who are going into exile. And Peter comes and is called to bring good news to the nations that salvation has come. It's in that moment of encounter of fearfulness, agonizing repentance and joy that results because we most see who God is, but we also most see who we are. That's where Augustine's reflection goes. If you most want to know who you are, you must most seek to be in the presence of the Lord. And in the repentance and the forgiveness that comes, clarity will come to why God has made you and marked your life. And we often wander around our lives thinking of our calling and our identity with God as an afterthought. And Augustine warns us to look into Scripture. If we want to know who we are, we must draw near to the Almighty and face Him and be forgiven and discover who we are. The sacraments, if you think of it this way, the sacraments mark that instance, that occasion of being confronted by God. There are these physical signs and representations that God has confronted us. 
He's recognized our sin and made us aware of it. And then he heals it and welcomes us. Think of baptism, the waters that wash. Paul calls the waters of the Red Sea that washed the Israelites the same waters of our baptism. God takes the people, he confronts them with his presence and his power, he heals them and then sends them with a call, joyfully accepting their forgiveness. And the sacraments mark that. The communion cup that we take each week reminds us of the blood that's the same as the coal that touched Isaiah's lips, that renews our calling and our identity in the world and sends us out on our mission. The bread we eat sustains us in the work we're to do. These two sacraments we observe. And I want to say a few words about Kavi's baptism today. But before I do, I want to just speak in general about sacraments and their usefulness. That we do these physical things together and it can seem artificial to us. You know, there are these rituals and liturgies and what God really wants is the heart. And it's interesting that if you go back into the Old Testament, think of Israel's life. It's um, regulated at every dimension from when they wake and sleep, what they wear, how they eat, when they rest, by laws and rituals and liturgies, what we would call sacraments. Their whole life was sacramental. Their whole year was sacramental. And Israel would fill these things. Their life was full of them. And they would always, in every season, would wander off and worship other gods, worship themselves. They'd abandon their calling to the poor, the needy, the widow, and the orphan. And when God came to them in the moments of rebellion, he never told them to get rid of the liturgies. They were using him superstitiously to try and please God. And God's answer through the prophets was, get your hearts right and then bring me sacrifices. He never abandoned the rites. If you know that prayer in Psalm 51, David prays to the Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God. It's David's probably deepest moment of repentance. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. When David uh, draws that psalm to a close, he says, for you do not desire sacrifices or burnt offerings on your table, but a contrite heart and a penitent spirit you desire. But then you will bless your people, David says, the ending that we may forget, and then I will offer offerings of burnt offering and sacrifices on your table. David knows that God, the, the rituals, do something for us, the right, the costliness of the animals, the visions of the blood, the smoke and the fire, those things do something that words alone cannot. And God's message to us in the sacraments is don't bring them empty. Don't bring them with uncontrite hearts without repentance and agonizing penitence, but bring them. Bring them and I will fill them and bless you. We bring to the Lord today with contrite hearts this baptism of Kavi and asking in that humble way for God to bless us and to bless him and to renew his covenant with us, to renew his love for us. In three ways that I want us to think about as we baptize, three things happen that we commit Kavi to and we commit ourselves to. The first is this, that in baptism, 
There's the uniting, a washing by the Holy Spirit. The prayers we'll pray at the table in a few minutes will make this clear. It talks about the Holy Spirit that hovered over the waters in Genesis. And Scripture gives us that image of waters and the Holy Spirit evolving to become our cleansing, our, our newness of life. Waters wash over the earth and the origin to make creation. And it's the same thing the Spirit does in us. From this day forward, we'll know um, Kalyani and Lena and Kavi as new creatures in Christ. We don't remember them according to their old life. They are made new. They are made new creations. So Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. And it marks us as new. It's that scene that you have with Isaiah and Moses and Peter when they recognize that they are completely unworthy of being in the presence of the Lord, of receiving the love of Jesus, that he says, stand my beloved child and receive the love of Christ. The blood shed for us, the waters washed for us, make us new. And if you're in a place today where you don't feel new, where sin or shame or guilt weigh down upon you, the message of the Holy Spirit is be clean. Be a new creature, for he has washed you. Today we mark Kavi as a new creature and we commit to walking with him in that new identity until the day he dies. The second thing that happens in baptism is that like Isaiah and Peter and Moses, we get our call. God gives to us a commission. When he answers Peter, this place I stumbled in the reading, I was ahead of myself, he says to Peter, Peter, do not be afraid, for I will make you fishers of men. He said to Moses, Moses, go to the Israelites and speak to Pharaoh, for I will bring my people out into freedom. And he says to Isaiah, go speak a word to the, to the seed that's planted in the dead root of Israel, that new life will come. We get our calling, we get our commission. In the language that Jesus says of Peter, it's not catchers of men, it's savers. It's an unusual word, it's only used twice in the New Testament. And it actually comes from the Old Testament, Greek version of the Old Testament. And it means to save a life, to spare somebody from death. A familiar example is in Rahab. You know in Joshua, the book of Joshua, they go to Rahab in Jericho and, and she um, protects the spies. And Joshua and his men come to Rahab and her family and say, because of what you've done for the Lord and his people, your life will be spared. That's the word that Jesus used with Peter. Today, Peter, you are going to go save lives. You're going to go call people from the brink of death and loss, of lovelessness, of destruction, of pride, and bring them into the loving kingdom of God. Peter, that is your commission. So when we commission Kavi today, we say, you've been sent to the lost, and to the sick, and to the weak, and to the outcast, and to the forgotten, and to the imprisoned. His calling is one that is one of difficulty. I said a couple weeks ago about baptism, to be baptized is to be baptized into a dangerous life. It's to be called to go to the places of danger, of need, people reject, that people overlook, the places where there's pain, where there's division. The church is called to be savers of life. 
And that's the commission that we take on with Kavi today. We'll commit ourselves to it. And third, so first, we're commissioned by the Holy Spirit. Second, we get our calling to be savers of life. And third, in our calling, we find ourselves to be brought together into one. Uh, Paul, when he speaks to the church at Galatia, if you know Galatia and Rome, they're argumentative, divisive churches. There's issues of class and ethnicism that are dividing the peoples. And Paul says to them, as many as you are baptized or baptized into Christ, and you are baptized into one in Christ. In other words, to be baptized into Christ, to be baptized into the Holy Spirit by water is to be made one with one another. We become extended family. When we share the peace, when we share the cup and eat from a common loaf, it's not just incidental, kind of friendly communal behavior. We're spiritually and mysteriously one of another. We truly are brothers and sisters and parents and children to one another. Today we take Kavion to be our child, to parent, to nurture, for um, Jeannie and Matthew to be their brother and sister, their friends in Christ, to walk as one with them. The table is our reminder each week that something miraculous has happened within us to make us one in Him. So now as we come to this moment of baptism, I remind us all that it is our moment of baptism. We'll take our vows again. We'll recommit our own faith. And our baptism with Kavi will bring us into proximity with God and Christ by the Holy Spirit. It'll bring us into proximity with the needy and the sick and the lost and the forsaken. And it'll bring us into unity with one another in Christ. Amen.